much excitement, Trent, about Justin Ross, and he delivers there, and a great throw from Bouchelle. It's just the preseason, everybody. It's just the preseason. That may be the mantra here as we hang out for the next couple hours on the Sports Radio 810 WHB post-game show. I'm Josh Briscoe with you here for the next couple hours. 913-3810-810. We got a whole cast of characters. Covell, Kyle, and Reed are all here to make things work on our end. Again, I'm Josh Briscoe with you to talk about some things about this that may be interesting or relevant to you and some things that may not matter much after we, you know, begin to look a little further down the line to the regular season. But a deep breath, especially with the way that that one ended, I don't think the Chiefs dynasty has ended at the hands of the New Orleans Saints in the first preseason game of the 2023 NFL preseason. But also, it, it, it is a little more fun when games end positively. It's It's a little more fun when it's a, you know... Nice win that the backup quarterbacks pull out. This this game was all Saints when the, the guys on the field seemed like uh, the, the, the projected starters. And then the Chiefs end up making a late push with a bunch of the backups. Some interesting and, and excellent performances for some guys that I do think are making a case for the roster. And really, honestly, some guys here who are making a case for the practice squad, which is kind of a crazy thing to be talking about in, in seriousness. Uh, but that's where the Chiefs roster is at right now. Nico Remigio might be a, a, a training camp darling in 30 other training camps right now. But the Chiefs are already having to do the roster math to find a spot for a guy like Justin Ross, uh, Richie James, both having really, really strong nights tonight or days today, I should say. It's kind of weird to have a Chiefs game actually kick off at noon, wrap up a little after three, and then end up here now. But uh, we will bring you press conferences as we get them uh, live from New Orleans. And uh, Kyle and Reed and Covell, if you can see, it looks like uh, it looks like they'll be in a variety of spots. Also, 913-3810-810. Uh, make sure we uh, both a quick uh, production note here for the back room. I can't see the names on the phones over here. I do want to take some calls, but make, you got to click out of the boxes and stuff after you get everybody's name so we can take your calls here on the post-game show. Let's start from the top, though. Let's start with the only parts of this that would theoretically matter in the long run. No no, no disrespect to the guys that did make some plays later in the game. I uh, owe an apology to Khalif Halassi, who I was not familiar with entering this game. I could have told you, I really think 60 to 65 guys on this roster who I really thought... Either I or the Chiefs would probably want to carve out a roster spot for, or a practice squad spot for, which is, you know, with the expanded practice squad sticking around post-COVID, that's been a a real uh, benefit to to the depth of NFL rosters. I really think I could have gone at least 60 deep. Had some interesting little roster math conversations over the last couple of weeks as, you know, who's going to be the last lineman in, the last receiver, do they keep seven, what's the tight end situation? And Khalif... Halassi was not on my list, and he made plays early, often, and got that tremendous pick. But with him, and maybe even with a guy like Echo Boydo, who also got a lot of reps, these are probably practice squad reps, um, even though I do think that you could see one of those young corners make the rosters a little bit of a surprise, especially if the Chiefs don't think they would get through to the practice squad, depending on how the rest of the league views these guys. Um, I loved seeing Danny Shelton get a sack. 
It might not matter. I love watching him play football whenever I get an opportunity to. But I don't know that that's where this is going to really be relevant. And I'm, I, I'm expecting, I'm expecting reasonableness from Chiefs fans here. I don't really think that I'm going to need to scold anybody. But I do hope that we have the appropriate perspective on what ended up being a very flat, uninspiring, kind of uninteresting debut from the Chiefs starting offense. Again, I don't really think that anyone who, in the second most recent Kansas City Chiefs football game, watched the Chiefs win a Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think our memories are so short that this is going to be a huge problem. But it is interesting to see that the Chiefs offense, in full-on vanilla mode, got out there, and it was just the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire series, really. Throwing it to Clyde, handing it to Clyde, which makes sense. I do think there's a part with him that is interesting and relevant. And the first-team O-line stays out there when Blaine Gabbert comes in, and uh, we can learn a little bit there as well. The offensive line, I think at, at each level of depth, actually, all held their own pretty nicely. A perfectly fine uninteresting debut, which I think might be a positive for an O-line. For Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor, um, nothing catastrophic from your starting tackles. And then interesting, I think Seth Kaiser might have pointed this out on Twitter as well, uh, that as the the game went on and as the, the offensive line depth was tested, which also had some interesting things to keep an eye on for guys like Juan A. Morris, Lucas Niang, Prince Tegawanogo, Darian Kennard... One is making the team for sure, but those other three guys, I really think there's probably only two roster spots for those three, for Winogo, Niang, and Kennard. I think I like Niang and and Winogo better as players, but Kennard now is in kind of the first year of his full earnest move to the guard position that uh, most of the league thought he'd have to make eventually. He has now, and and the Chiefs want to keep working on some interior depth. Maybe Winogo and Niang are a little bit, uh, a little bit redundant. Leaves you some interesting roster questions to answer for yourself. But it was good to see that nothing fell apart offensively because of the offensive line. And yeah, I mean, there was some pressure laid on Shane Bouchelle's pick that was ugly and a bad decision looking for Justin Ross, who otherwise had a really nice couple of moments that is very exciting and all you could ask for from a preseason game. Just give me a couple of good Justin Ross moments I can hang my hat on the rest of the week, and I will do that. I will continue talking about Justin Ross very excitedly. He's on the team. He looks like a real player. But we are just sort of taking the nuggets we can here. Take good individual performances, a couple of nice reps from Felix and Udike Uzama. You know, a lot of this training camp process has has been discussing the fact that he himself admitted that he was still lagging behind a little bit after missing some of the other offseason activities because of his thumb surgery that uh, slowed down his his stepping into the rotation. This is the time to get up the speed a little more quickly. Live reps against other teams, got some wins there. That, that's encouraging, and you'll always take that. Overall, I think it would be deeply unnecessary to be worried about the Chiefs' offense. I think there are parts of it that we can continue to talk about, most likely throughout the regular season, as you see how the wide receivers mesh with with each other and into the offense as a whole. That's going to continue to be interesting, but that can't get answered in the preseason anyway. If Sky Moore would have gone 6 for 80 on an 80-yard touchdown drive that was nothing but, but 15 to 24, 
We, we wouldn't have been able to retire those questions. Point being, pick your individual performances. If you were maybe a little less excited about the Shane Bouchelle experience at this point, I couldn't blame you. If you were briefly excited about the Chris Oladukun, I think I've been saying it wrong and saying it that way the entire time. Oladukun, I believe, is how I need to now adjust it. Thank you, Chiefs Podcast. If you were excited about him and thought, oh, all right, maybe he can go ahead and take Shane Bouchelle's spot, and then you see that screen pick at the end, it might have been kind of Godric, I think as what Shane Green said, it might have been kind of Godric's fault in terms of grabbing the sweeping the arms out of the way there and giving them giving them a lane to get rid of the ball. You know, if if that was a, a sour taste in your mouth to go through a week of talking about bigger, more important football things that were not largely including the guys we saw play the most tonight. I I understand. I I do want to talk though about the guy who was involved in I think I'm gonna double check my facts here. I think was involved in every single play of the Chiefs' first series except for the last one. I guess the last one was uh, was the Mahomes scramble. The second to last one was the Mahomes scramble. But before that, Mahomes throws it to Clyde for a couple. Next play does it again. Clyde picks up thirteen. Carry for Clyde. Carry for Clyde. Mahomes scramble. Blake Bell failed tight end quarterback sneak. And uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire was was also, like I said, out there and involved with Blaine Gabbert's turn at the offense as well. I think there are a couple of ways you can view this, and I think I'm going to lean towards the simplest one, Occam's Razor, I guess. You could say, all right, they're doing the Clyde Edwards-Helaire preseason showcase. Hey, everybody, look at this former first-round pick. Wouldn't you like to have him for, I don't know, what do you think, a late fifth? Okay, a sixth? Okay, a seventh? Okay, a conditional pick swap? All right. But I'm really not sure it is that cynical for the Chiefs at this point, especially while Isaiah Pacheco is still out. I uh, I don't know anyone in Kansas City who is more beside themselves in sadness and confusion than me when the Chiefs drafted Clyde in the first round. Just spending that pick on a running back was obviously an incredibly silly thing to do. And the Chiefs don't do unforced error, incredibly silly things very often. They did it there. It was obvious. And, you know, history has, by and large, uh, played that out. However... I am now finding myself in a place where I feel like I am continuously talking Chiefs fans out of the idea that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a total bum who doesn't have a spot on this roster. And look, Isaiah Pacheco's RB1. Jarek McKinnon is next in terms of importance, and they love Daenerik Prince. And I'm really excited to see Daenerik Prince play more. Didn't do a ton today. That's fine. Had some good pass pro reps, it looked like, which is a great thing to be able to say about a young running back. I'm I'm cool with it. I'd like to keep seeing Denerick Prince get more work. Four carries, 14 yards today. Clyde had three for seven, but again, the uh, the two receptions, 15 more yards there for Clyde, all in those first two drives. There's a role for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on this team, in part because of the asterisks that are following every other running back we're talking about. Pacheco's returning from two injuries. Jarek McKinnon is up there in years and constantly banged up last year. You just want to preserve his health. This is no huge shocker. And Daneric Prince is a rookie who just dropped into Andy Reid's system. Now, it's not the same for a running back and a wide receiver to say that, oh, you know, no rookies can have any success in Andy Reid's system. Which, by the way, Rasheed Rice does look like an NFL player to me. Even out there running with guys a, a, a click down or two. 
he looked like an NFL player playing with guys who are fringe NFL players. I can live with that. But part of the reason that I was like so frustrated with the, the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire draft pick at the time is because of the natural churn and numbers game of the running back position in the NFL. Uh, you'd, you'd rather have three or four good shots uh, of the stable of four quality running backs than one you know, top ten running back and then a bunch of guys you can't trust to have the football in their hands. I, I'd rather have the committee. Well, now, with Clyde being a part of the committee, his role is, hi, I'm a running back on the Chiefs offense who has been here for several years, who has had success when I've been on the field, and maybe I'm maybe I'm not reliable from a health perspective. Very few running backs are. Maybe it's a challenge to believe in him as a number one running back, but but you don't have to. As a part of the stable here, as a part of the rotation, he can be a pass catcher. He can take a couple of handoffs. Part of the sales pitch on Clyde when the draft pick came in was that he could be on the field for for all three downs. Now, I don't want him on the field for all three downs at this point. Again, I'd rather just have the rotation of guys. But he can, literally can, be on the field for all three downs. He's not going to hamstring your offense or make it harder on you. So... At this point, I think the reasoning Clyde Edwards-Elia was out there, and look, maybe if he has a huge game in, in the second week of the preseason, maybe his trade stock finds a, finds a couple of, uh, of interested buyers, and maybe the Chiefs are able to get something back for him. But I think the reason he was getting run with the ones is because when Isaiah Pacheco is, is actively returning from injuries, and Jarek McKinnon has no business in a preseason game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is clearly this team's next guy up. And Daneric Prince could take that from him over the course of the year. If he had more yards from scrimmage than Clyde this season, it wouldn't surprise or upset me. But I do think that's a little bit of an interesting thing, just when we're saying, all right, what can we actually learn about the guys whose names we're going to still be talking about when the preseason is over? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is high on that list. Nico Remigio leading the team in, in receiving, I think he's a... Practice squad lock if nobody else takes him. We got to see a little bit from Richie James, including that touchdown. Justin Ross, you see the touchdown and that catch where he's shrugging off the tackler. There's good stuff there in those very, very, very small samples. The defense, you know, I should maybe mention, without Chris Jones, I don't think it's going to be as good as it is with Chris Jones. I'm assuming all of that. I don't think that them getting run on in the first quarter of a preseason game is going to change their offer to Chris Jones. I would think and hope and expect that the Chiefs already knew the value of number 95 in the middle of their defensive line. I don't think that a couple of tough runs by Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams are going to change that. But it does serve as a nice reminder for the rest of us that, oh yeah, I can... uh, I can see what this looks like when Chris Jones isn't involved. And it's not a fun place to be. I lean towards that deal getting done still, but when I say lean, it's like a 51-49 type of deal. It leaves me still 
pretty concerned. I guess that might be my biggest actual negative takeaway is that uh, upon further review, Chris Jones still has not signed an extension. That's my big takeaway from preseason game number one. Not because the Chiefs got run on, but just because that is still the thing in the Chiefs news universe right now that matters by far the most. Nothing that happened in the preseason game today. Haven't seen anything about injuries. We'll, we'll hear Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and whoever else is at the podium later on. But I haven't seen any significant injuries. Nobody left mid-game that was of of note. Scrolling through uh, Twitter briefly, and I'm now watching, you know, I'm seeing the NFL tweeting out highlights. The field goal is good. Ooh, one rough-sounding injury here that... Uh, it's too bad because he was having a had a nice game when he was out there. Uh, Nick Jones, according to Andy Reid, Nick Jones fractured several fingers, and Anthony Witherstone hurt his big toe. Several fingers for Nick Jones is that's at least three, right? So he broke at least three fingers. I think that's the distinction. We went over this in the zone a few weeks ago. A few, I think a few might be three. Several could be four. So, not sure what's happened with Nick Jones there, but, well, hold on. Here I'm seeing a couple fingers for Nick Jones. Unpleasant regardless. Uh, we got a couple people on hold here. Gary and Kyle, we'll get to you guys really shortly. Uh, I want to just make sure we don't take a break too soon or miss a, a press conference window. So, um, we will hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes later on. Not sure who yet, uh, but we will uh, grab that momentarily. Let's go ahead and uh, take a phone call here if we're uh, good to do that. We'll open it up with Gary. I feel like kicking off the first week of the preseason with a phone call from Gary is a good way to do it. Gary, how are you, sir? Pretty good. Happy the football's back. I'm tired of watching those losers on the other side of the parking lot. But Spagnuolo looked like he picked up where he left off last year. I know it's only a preseason game, but you saw a lot of confusion defensively with the guys with the misdirection that the Saints are running in the Chiefs looked like they were uh, Keystone cops out there defensively. There were a few things, a few players that kind of stood out. FAU looked decent out there at times. Their defensive attack, the defensive tackle position without Chris Jones is wow. I mean, (laughs) Derek, they they shouldn't call him Derek Nada. They should just call him Derek Nada because he doesn't bring anything to the table. I don't know why they brought him back. He's just a speed bump to the second level. But offensively, all three quarterbacks did not look – I mean, Gabbard didn't look great, but mm-hmm. you saw him, the young kid, I forgot, I can't even say Ola his Duken, name. I believe, yeah. He he had some moments, too. His offensive corner didn't do many favors there on that final play. But that was – I like what I saw of those young quarterbacks and some of those young receivers. But, man, that defensive tackle room is just wow right now. I mean, there's – there and Danny Shelton needs to learn how to stay low. If you ever watch him when the ball is snapped, he plays too high. He's got to stay low. He doesn't know how to do that, I guess. That's coaching, I guess. But one thing I've learned with Steve Spagnuolo, Josh, just to give you something to leave on a positive note, as long as Steve Spagnuolo is the defensive coordinator and you bet the under, you're going to win every week with the Chiefs. So hang up and listen. Great show. Gary, I appreciate you, sir. It's a good way to kick off the preseason by, uh, you know, readying the pitchforks for Spags already. I would have been disappointed with anything else, uh, anything less, Gary. Because here's here's the thing. I saw somebody tweeted this during the game, and I thought it was a funny observation that now feels especially relevant. The the tweet was something along the lines of, uh, Steve Spagnuolo doesn't care what his defense does until Halloween, and you shouldn't either. And that that is 
if not completely true, pretty close. Because I understand, and I want to talk about the the concerns about the defensive tackle position, Gary, I think are are fully valid, fully reasonable. I'm not even like, hey, you know, maybe the OC didn't do any of those young quarterbacks any favors later in the game. This really was, especially as the game went on, and really from the jump, this was, all right, and they talked about this all week. We've been working on installing everything in training camp. We're going to bring it back some now. We're going to pull back and then let you go out there and just play some football. Which is why when I said that like Rasheed Rice looked like the best player in a, a in a secondary of backups, like the defenders around him and his peers out there, that counts for something for me because I want to make sure Rasheed Rice looks the part physically without there being the benefit of how's Andy Reid really going to scheme something open. That's not going to be there today. Spags, they did dial up a few blitzes. You saw some Shamari Connor action. Uh, he's been kind of the most under-discussed member of this Chiefs draft class, in my opinion. Uh, partially because it's hard to know what it's going to project to once he shows up in a game. Well, we saw Drew Tranquil and Shamari Connor get after the quarterback and get sent on some blitzes. So there was a little bit there working from Spags. I think that what, what Carr was able to do in that opening series... I say all of that is generally a pretty solid Spags defender, personally. And not having Chris Jones is devastating. Again, this would, you know, first quarter of the preseason game and all that. But what, watching, watching Derek Carr just sort of 10 yards, 12 yards, 8 yards. Boom, boom, boom. Alvin Kamara. It didn't feel very good. I don't begrudge you that. It didn't feel very good at all. I don't think it matters right now. But it could start mattering if there's a long pattern of that once there are, you know, meaningful and regular season games. Hey, Shane Bouchelle is at the podium, so we're going to go live to that right now, live here on Sports 3 at 10 WHB. Here's Shane Bouchelle. We're going to stay right here. You can leave all that just as, exactly as is. Kyle, we'll get to Shane Bouchelle here in just a second. I think he's on the way to the podium. Maybe no no Patrick Mahomes today, perhaps? But uh, we'll hand it off to Shane Bouchelle. Talk about uh, the day he had getting quite a bit of work in the first preseason game. Um, the last one? Yeah, you know, uh, just a little a little scramble drill, and the guys did a good job of working for me. Um, just playing football, man. Just playing football, and I have a good example in front of me uh, where I get to watch him make plays and so Koa Crawford made a great play on that on that catch and just playing football. Uh, Justin hadn't played in so long, Justin Ross. Yeah. And you're able to get him one. I guess what did that mean for him, what did it mean for you? Yeah, that was awesome. Um, just seeing the smile on his face after he caught that ball was was the best part. Um, he did a great job of running the route and just executing the play and I, I was happy for him. It was awesome. Uh, Patrick seemed pretty fired up on the sideline. I guess what was his message to you guys after you yeah, you know, coming out of that second half, it was just the message was energy. Um, we needed to have better energy on the sideline and on the field, and we were able to put together a couple drives where we were able to score, and it was kind of cool. It's always fun having those guys be pumped up and, and having energy on the sideline. So that was, that was the message going out in the second half. Was that a message he delivered to you guys in there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from him and Coach Reed, just have energy and 
go out and try to win a ball game. I guess what does that mean to you when you see him jumping around the sideline, chest pumping people, things like yeah, that? Yeah, no, like I said, um, just having those guys, those vets, um, when they're happy for you and jumping around, like like you said, it's it's always fun seeing them on the sideline and, and having fun, and then just us on the field when they're happy for us, man. It, it makes it easy for us to be happy for them, for sure. I just wonder, in general, the second and third units, Andy said he was pretty happy with them. What do you see from you know, the guys after the starters? Yeah, um, just kind of alluding to that last question, there was a lot of energy, um, and they, they did a really good job of just playing with energy, playing within the system, and you know, that's some of us, that's the only time we get to go out there and play. And so thankfully, um, we always preach, just do your job. You don't have to do anything different, anything extra. Just do your job, play within the system, and um, put together a couple really good drives where we were able to go down and score. So it was fun, a lot of fun. Got one. Yeah, Shane, did you, I don't know if you spoke about this already, but the touchdown to Justin, what, what, you said you guys were pretty locked in with each other on that. Can you just take us through the play, and how happy were you for him to, have that breakthrough for himself. Yeah, we were talking about it. Um, he did a great job of executing and, and both of us being on the same page, but it was the reaction after that um, we were all happy about seeing the smile on his face, um, seeing all the hard work that he's put in from all of his injuries and just, I mean, tough times for him. So for him to be out on the field, um, trusting his ability and then just executing on the play, it was, it was awesome. It was good to see. Good. All right, so that's it, it sounds like, from the podium there today. Uh, so maybe we'll hear elsewhere at some point. We'll, we will hear from Andy Reid, but that is it in terms of uh, Pressers Live from New Orleans. We'll bring you any other audio we can find. Plus, we heard from Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines during the game, and uh, we'll we'll bring you more of the uh, the conversation. And you can join in on the conversation as well. 913-3810-810. Kyle's on the line right now. Kyle, you're on the uh, Sports Radio 810 WHP postgame show. Hey, Josh. How's it going? I, it's been a while since I've talked to you, but I hope everything is going well with your family. Very well. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate that. Good to hear from you again. Very welcome. Uh, let me tell you, first thing, I am glad football is back. Yes, sir. I, I am, like, tired of hearing, listening to, like the other guy said before me, the the players from across the parking lot. Um, but anyway, uh, a couple things I want to take away is I thought the quarterbacks, I mean, Andy Reid, obviously, in preseason game, ain't going to expose his playbook. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's just going to be conservative. So before fans freak out <laughs> over this game, he's not going to expo- he's not going to you know uh, throw a ball to Kelsey you know on a deep route right. you know in preseason game unless you know he does it in the second or third game, but. He's just going to, you're going to see just mostly probably conservative play calling. It's just to get these guys warmed up. That's my first point. Second point is the defense. Same with Spags, too. I don't think he's going to show much either. Yeah. I don't think these coaches are going to show much of their playbook. It looked like on the defense standpoint, they were just kind of playing conservative. And you're not, and, uh, and I don't know this, Josh. I, I could just be talking out of my butt here. But it just seems uh, that they that deep, when it comes to preseason, these players are not going to uh, try. I mean, of course, they're going to try hard to make the team. Right. But the the starters who've already made the team, I don't think that you're going to. They don't want to get hurt. Yep. So I don't see the the physicalness 
uh, in a preseason game, you're not going to see much. And my third point is I thought the offense played really well. I thought all three quarterbacks played well. I thought uh, Blaine Gabbert, he missed a couple passes, but he made up for it. I thought on the 50-yard pass that he made on that deep throw, it was right on the money. And then that touchdown pass, he threw it kind of high, but it was enough. It was, it, but it was enough to where the wide receiver can come down with it. And Shane Purcell, I mean, looking at that last touchdown pass, it looked like Mahomes almost. Ain't <laughs> going to sack him, and then he dodges and dodges a couple plays, and then he throws it across his body. It looked like Mahomes almost. So you can definitely tell these quarterbacks are learning from Mahomes. And I think that's a very plus key to have when you have that when you have that quarterback. It, it, it helps the other quarterbacks as well because you don't know what's going to happen. You hope it does not happen. If you know what I'm referring to, but it's nice to see that these two quarterbacks, Blaine and Shane Burchell, are, are learning a lot. So that's good. those are the three things I'm taking away from this preseason game. Sorry to ramble on, John. No, man. Look, we got plenty. We got plenty of time, and it's the preseason. I appreciate I appreciate your uh, your angle on it there because I think that you uh, touch on a lot of good stuff. So I, I hope you bring that same energy for the regular season too, Kyle. Appreciate it. Oh, I will trust me. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the call there, because uh, yeah, let me run through a few of those takeaways. One, you, you talk about the the level of you know not just physicality and intensity and effort, but I mean the the mentality of uh, we've seen Patrick Mahomes go through his pregame routine. It's it's not going to be the same complete level of intensity for a preseason game. It ends up being important that you're able to bring playoff level intensity for a preseason game, but that's easier said than done, right? I I do think you're 100% right, and I mentioned this with Gary's concerns too. I mean, I just, I think you're going to see the the most vanilla, schematic coaching job that you can from from Reed and Spags and Nagy. I think that when uh, when Gary was talking about the coaching of the interior defensive linemen and you know getting guys up to speed and all of that, the coaching that happens in training camp, you want to see that come through. And like you worry about, you know, if Danny Shelton can can get low enough, he's a very big man. It's, it's also he's an enormous man who's a kind of a fringe player right now. So that's I think that is where that comes from. See, Gary, I'm going to give you your flowers when I think you make a good point. You know, we just we got to disagree sometimes, but. To, to what Kyle said there again on the, the physicality, the effort, the intensity, I do think that's to be expected. And then you have guys who are fighting for their football lives, who you see great effort plays from and plays that continue beyond the, the first sort of plan for a play like that Bouchelle touchdown, um, like everything that, uh, Remigio was involved in all day. And that, and that's fun again. It, that does, that feels like football just minus the stakes that come with usually watching a Chiefs football game. I think it's a really interesting, uh, uh, Note to say, hey, you know, this, these are backups to Patrick Mahomes. Not the guys who are out there trying to do Patrick Mahomes impressions, but Matt Moore and Shane and, and uh, Chad Henney were were fully formed quarterbacks in their own right before Patrick Mahomes ever set foot in the National Football League. Uh, Blaine Gabbert is in a, a similar spot, of course, where he was a fully formed quarterback before Mahomes was ever in the league. We'll we'll see how it affects him being in Kansas City. But watching watching Shane Bouchelle like make some choices, he's not Patrick Mahomes. And frankly, his his downs today were as concerning as his ups were exciting. But doing some of the like extra little breath of creativity for an NFL quarterback because you know the offense you're in and what the guy in front of you does, I think is kind of a fun thing. Like you're going to give me the option between having just a totally by the numbers quarterback and guys who do 
work and learn with Mahomes on a day-to-day basis. I think that's kind of fun. Um, here's what I'd say about Blaine Gabbert, because I've now heard you know both sides of this take, and I think they're both they're both totally fair. Hey, you saw some good moments from Blaine Gabbert. That's exciting. Hey, you saw some disappointing moments from Gabbert. He might he might be a step down. Here's what I saw from Blaine Gabbert today. You holding? Are you, are you sitting down? You holding your breath? Get ready, everybody. I thought Blaine Gabbert today looked like a backup quarterback in his first action in a new offense. I'm not just being a dingus about it. Like I, the reason I say that is because inconsistency is a pretty good sign of not being 100% comfortable yet. And why would he be? You need him to be comfortable by the time the regular season rolls around and, and Patrick Mahomes eventually, you know, leaves a play to have his arm surgically reattached and then comes back in one drive later. It's just, I imagine that's what's next for him. Certainly by the playoffs, you want to have a quarterback who is fully comfortable reading and, and, and handling everything in front of him. I, I don't feel any better or worse about Gabbert today than I did yesterday. That's more or less kind of what I expected. You want to see him look in charge. The first drive was a, a little bit concerning. Not even been the first couple of passes. No, they went three and out. That was that was not great. That was the um, that pass to Rice that didn't do a ton, and then Clyde a little bit attempted Gray. Yeah, it was tough. It wasn't great. It looked uncomfortable, and and then you saw those guys make some grown NFL quarterback type of throws. Richie James, I don't know how he got that open on his touchdown. I'm not sure what happened. Somebody was out of... I mean, Trent Green said something about a rub route. I'm sure that happened. Somebody was out of place or on the ground. Gabbert hit it. He took what was there. Great. It's it's a little bit of a, a fluctuating evaluation process. You're talking about backups and backup quarterbacks, but I, I think that's all pretty interesting and some, some good thoughts so far. I see Rodney's on hold. We will uh, take uh, your phone calls again if you want to dial on in. 913-3810-810. We'll hear from Andy Reid in a little bit, plus Patrick Mahomes uh, on the sideline during the game, uh, courtesy of our friends over at KSHB 41 who have the game. Uh, there for you on TV today. So we will, uh, we'll hear from both of those guys as the show goes on. Plus, we'll continue to take your calls here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. We'll take a quick timeout. More Chiefs talk right after this. Michelle, the throw, and that is caught more than enough for the first down. And it's Justin Ross, his first catch. And I know the Chiefs' kingdom is really excited about Ross. Indeed they are, and with good reason. I mean, look, Justin Ross didn't absolutely go nuclear with the hype train speed today, but he, like Rasheed Rice did, and like Richie James did, uh, I would argue, looked like an NFL football player out there in the reps that he got, made some great plays, again, shrugging off that tackler on that play, and then the touchdown on his other reception on the day. Two catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Five targets, actually, for Justin Ross. I'm actually surprised that number is as high as it is. Uh, but make, making the uh, the plays happen there a couple of times with backup quarterbacks out there and also is out there, I believe, on punt coverage, uh, which, as we've talked about in the past here, I think is a really important part of the Justin Ross long-term ability to stick on this roster the reason that Josh Gordon ended up getting cut when he did, and that experiment ended when it did, he even had a hard time being on the active roster. Uh, they had him on the practice squad, if, if memory serves. The reason that Josh Gordon experience was ultimately, I think, cut short, I mean, they, they gave it a good effort, 
he, he wasn't the player he used to be, obviously, but a, a really tough thing for Josh Gordon to overcome was the fact that he could not be on, on uh, special teams. He, he Older in his career at that point, did, did not have the speed anymore to be a useful gunner. Well, the guys at the end of the wide receiving depth chart, Byron Pringle was a special teamer who eventually found his way into the offense and then into free agent paydays. Good for him. Marcus Kemp was a guy whose NFL career was made and extended with a couple moments on offense here or there. Marcus Kemp was a, spe- a special team all-star to Dave Tobe. If Justin Ross can be a little bit of both, if he can be both a legitimate contributor on offense, who right now in, in what will be his first real reps in years, it's not his rookie season because he was essentially a red shirt last year, but I'm, I'll call this his red shirt rookie season. If he and his red shirt rookie season can get a little bit of offensive work, makes these highlight uh, catches that, that showed up in training camp and that we've seen now with a couple of great plays today, if he can continue that while also being a legit player on special teams, doesn't have to be a superstar but can't be a liability, not only is his roster spot safe, it, it's safe permanently? Hey, that's a big word to say about a roster spot. I mean, Travis Kelsey's roster spot is safe permanently. There, there's not a lot of guys you could say that for. I don't mean for, you know, a 10-year career, but if if he can continue to see his offensive growth into the regular season, his comfort in the playbook, his trust from Mahomes, he has all the physical tools. And and it, not to say that he doesn't have whatever else you need to be a receiver. The only thing he hasn't had has been health. And he made it in and out of this game today, made some plays, took some hits. That's what you're looking for. I also admit, and then we'll, uh, again, take your calls. Rodney, we'll get to you in just one second. 913-38-1010 if you want to join in. Or uh, if you can, uh, if you'd like, you can tweet me at JB Briscoe. I'm never going to say post when I mean tweet because there's only one website that did tweets. And so I don't have to tell you where it's at. I'm not checking my Instagram DMs during the show. Don't send me your takes on Instagram. You can send them on the website that formerly had a blue bird all over it. And I'll see some there. And I can, uh, I'll read some, read some takeaways as the show goes on. But the uh, the idea also earlier about uh, physicality, effort, intensity, all of those things, something that Mahomes talked about, something that, that Reed has talked about, and it's the thing that I thought I could hear that his his voice uh, saying it a couple days earlier as he scrambled. When Patrick Mahomes took off, tried to get that first down, ultimately slid just a little bit short. He said, look, part of the, part of the reason you want to play in these preseason games is so you can get that first hit out of the way. Now, obviously, no one wants to see Patrick Mahomes get rolled up on in the pocket. Nobody wants to see him get popped. I'm glad he slid short of the first down marker instead of taking one to the teeth. That's He handled that correctly. But he's been wearing a yellow jersey all offseason. Today, the yellow jersey went away. And he was in a live pocket where he did need to worry about the messes around his feet. Which does not make sense he was doing in camp also. But you know no one's going to smack him in the helmet. You just want to get some of that live speed going again a little bit. The result, truthfully, doesn't matter. The process matters. And you want to put good results out there. It's going to make your your return to St. Joe, however brief, make it a little more pleasant. We'd like to put you on the, the right track. I bet the Chiefs' first-team offense is going to have a scoring drive uh, before the uh, the regular season begins. 
But really, it's it's let's knock some of that rust off. And if you're rusty in the first preseason game, I really don't think it's any cause for any fans to be concerned. A little preseason week one rust is what you should expect. If they're rusty in week one of the regular season, then we can reevaluate a whole lot of other things. But right now, this is just part of the process. Uh, next up here, we'll go to Rodney. Rodney, appreciate you waiting on hold, my friend. What's going on? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, there's three players that stood out to me. And um, I was mainly looking at the offense. Uh, I saw what the defense was doing. I think the uh, pass rush on the defense, especially on the edges, is um, deserve a, a little bit more credit. Mm-hmm. Um, Felix um, really honed in on that speed rush thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, we can have a speed rush. Yes. <laughs> for the <long> <laughs> So finally we got a speed rusher. But um, it's funny when it went, when Andy Reid spoke about um, well, Shane Michelle said in halftime they spoke about energy and the two guys came out with more energy. And I think that that either quarterback was prepared for, it, and that's Rasheed Rice and, and, and Justin Ross. I think you're right. I think their route running is, is was way more than what they thought. It's nothing you see in training camp. They was trying to get used to things. When they actually moved in the game, I really felt like how they saw the passes. And it was getting – they moved a whole lot faster than he expected. And there was a lot of passes that they had to stop, especially for Ricky James. That's my third guy. Mm-hmm. He had to slow down for that uh, that, that deep pass and nearly had to turn around and nearly come to a stop and wait for the ball to come down. I think they realized, hold on, these guys are a whole lot faster yeah. than, than it is in their turn account. And when Ross ran – um, I believe he ran a, um, a curl route or a hitch route on the outside. The same separation he was getting in training camp. Yes. He got there. I'm, I'm listening to the, the Saints broadcast. He said, man, that was way too much separation. Now, he just not having seen training camp in St. Joe. That separation is normal. How he hits the brakes on the outside is dangerous. And he's still having that same speed. But now he's showing power to break off of tackles and keep going. But I really think their speed, those two guys alone, their speed alone, I think Bouchelle and, and, and the other backup quarterbacks, they, they was not prepared for that type of speed. But those are the two guys, and, and, and I'm throwing Ricky James and Ringmo too. Those, I think their speed, they wasn't really prepared for, especially for uh, Ross and, uh, and uh, Rice. So that, that's my take. I'm going to go ahead and listen to my friend. Rodney, I think it's a great one. I appreciate you, man. That, that's a, a great list of a few dudes that I, I'm, I really like that, that angle you got there in particular. Uh, a few things with the relationship between the receivers and quarterbacks from this game. When you say, hey, Rice and Ross and James, they did all bring legit, like, let's play football energy. I, I, I like that view of it. When I was saying earlier that Ross and Rice to me, most importantly, looked like real NFL football players, even when they were going up against guys that are a little bit closer to the bubble or maybe fully bubble players for the Saints roster. You want to see them still look fast, play fast, execute fast. And I thought both of them did. I think Richie James is another good shout. And it's kind of funny to think about. I mean, I know there's a little bit of, of intermixing um, in, in training camp, and, and these guys have probably played together plenty. But Rice and Ross being out there with, with quarterbacks two and three is a little bit different than being out there with Patrick Mahomes. And and specifically, um, if we're thinking about the same little, or maybe it was like a little curl that Ross ran, um, where there was, I think, some separation when he made that little break back, and by the time the ball got there, it was a pass breakup. Well, if Patrick Mahomes is icing that thing into Justin Ross's stomach, that, I mean, and maybe Ross comes back to the ball a little further, too, in an ideal world. That's a coaching point. But if if that is fired into Ross's gut, 
that's probably a, a, I don't remember if it would have been enough for a first down or just a completion there, but that's different than the ball coming out of the hands of Blaine Gabbert. And one of the things we've seen, you know, I don't, I don't want everyone to end up in panic mode on, on backup quarterbacks. When, when the Chiefs have needed those backups to step in and play bigger roles, when the Chiefs have needed Chad Henney and Matt Moore to look like, look like, uh, pro bowlers for like 15 minutes, that ends up being the Andy Reid masterclass. And I'm thinking about that Tyreek Hill route just past the first down marker. All of those little quick kind of speed action things that Chiefs are so good at running. Andy Reid and, and now Matt Nagy, formerly Eric Bieniemy, of course. But but Andy Reid's going to try to make life easy on the backups when they are out there in tough, in tough positions where you need to keep your head above water until Mahomes gets back. If it's a game, if it's a drive, whatever. You want to make things easier for them. I think Andy Reid wants things to be as as hard as they need to be for these backups in in the preseason. I I think that at this point you look around and say, hey, you know, you know go go play your game and take what they're going to throw back at you, and good luck. The the scheming up the easier stuff is not going to get burned in the preseason. Some of it won't get burned in week one, week two, week fifteen. Some of it ends up making its debut in the playoffs. And it's crazy, but it's just how it works here in Kansas City. Uh, the, the offense has got real layers to it. Also, I think a good call, um, Felix and Udike Uzama, with the bend we saw from the outside and, and an inside win as well. But seeing him get around the edge, if if he can just go ahead and get up to speed by the regular season, he's going to need to be a part of this defense with Charles Aminahu out those first six weeks. So I do think that was an encouraging game from Felix. Plus, we got a pass breakup from Truman Jones, my uh, number one overall practice squad pick if we're doing rankings. I, I really like Truman Jones out of Harvard and was excited to see him sign with the Chiefs practice squad, or with the Chiefs roster as an undrafted free agent. Hope he lands in the practice squad now. So a little bit for B.J. Thompson also uh, as he kind of fills out physically uh, as a, a guy who's a little undersized for a, a Spags defensive end position. Seeing him just get some work is, is good there as well. And, and the defensive end position is going to be tested very early this season again without a minute who for the first third of the season or so. But I, I do think there's some interesting stuff coming out of that group now. 913-3810-810. I know Don is on hold, but I have talked too much. So we need to take a quick timeout. We'll uh, do that. We'll circle back. We'll hear from Don. Anybody else who calls in, then we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes, his sideline conversation as we continue to break down a preseason loss for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it doesn't feel good to lose Derek Carr, but I mean, it's week one of the preseason. Gabbard's going down the field. He's got a man open. And that is a big-time play as they go down the field to Richie James. Richie James looked pretty good. A lot of these receivers down the depth chart all looked really good. Now the funny thing is that the guys who will really determine the ceiling of this wide receiving core uh, didn't play all that much. We we didn't need to see a ton more from a Marquez Valdez Scantling in week one of a preseason uh, of a preseason period. I'm happy to see Richie James, Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, and some of the other new faces out there catching passes. Also, kind of a funny thing here uh, from from Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian on Twitter tweeting about talking to Colin Saunders. You know the uh, the former Chiefs defensive tackle who was out there. Uh, early on for the Saints today after signing a nice deal with them, multi-year deal with New Orleans this offseason. Uh, Sam tweeted, uh, Colin Saunders said the game felt like being in practice in Kansas City. Quote, I was out there calling out some plays. Vahe added, uh, Saunders jokingly added, sort of felt like he was cheating, but then said he wasn't cheating after all since he happened to know them. 
So, you know, a lot of a lot of things that I think might have might have gone a little differently if this was four quarters of starting football. But man, it, it would be kind of annoying if we sit through three preseason games and the, the Chiefs offense never looks particularly good or the defense just always kind of gets torn apart by whatever quarterbacks well the Cardinals can't possibly, right? They can't possibly. I I I you know, give a lot of bleep to Derek Carr for being you know, like emo Kirk Cousins or whatever. Which is not shade to emo culture. A pitcher who threw a no-hitter in Vans is my idol. But I just think Derek Carr's got kind of that vibe, you know? He goes from the black and silver and black to the black and gold. Just, you know, he, he looks kind of like Sid from Toy Story. Grown up. But the difference between Derek Carr and honest-to-goodness... I don't know who will start for the Cardinals. I'm going to look real quick. It's obviously not Kyler Murray. Still working back. I'm not sure what their depth chart's going to be. I bet it will ch- test the Chiefs secondary a little less. Point being, um, we give a lot of, a lot of bleep to Derek Carr. Reasonably and fairly, I think. But, the difference between Derek Carr and, uh, hey, Colt McCoy, David Blau, Jeff Driscoll, and Clayton Toon. He's a rookie. Where did he play? Houston. There's a pretty big difference there. And man, I mean, again, I don't, I don't think that a preseason game is going to change anything for Chris Jones and the Chiefs negotiations. But it does serve as a nice little reminder that this defense is a lot better when they have, you know, one of the best players in football in the middle of their defensive line. 913-3810-810. If you want to call in and sound off, we'll do that now with Don. Don, what's on your mind? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I, uh, I've enjoyed some NFL football. It wasn't the highest quality, but football's still football, so I'm, I'm in a good mood. How about you? Oh, absolutely. I, I, people fuss about you know preseason football being uh, just practices against two different teams, but I enjoy watching the individual I do play. Too. And I, I'm I'm enthused about our wide receivers. These young people, the young men, can catch the ball for crying out loud. <laughs> you know that's the thing. It, it bothers me so much. You get to that level and they throw a ball to you. And you say, well, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that yeah, that last quarterback. I don't know. I didn't know him, but man, he puts mustard on that ball, and they yeah. were catching it. But uh, and the and the defensive backs, uh, wow, they're good. I mean, they're they came to play. But the elephant in the room is the play calling in there on that last play. I yeah, and and I wasn't the only one that had my hands over my ears, and my eyes. I mean, I, they showed the sideline, and it's like, what? <laughs> It blew my mind, and maybe maybe we see why somebody was booted out of Chicago. I hope not. Uh, I man, I've had I got high hopes for this guy. I mean, I love Nagy, but that was a bum call. I, I don't understand where it came from. I, I was just flabbergasted, but uh, but that's just me. But I, I think overall, I think it was a good game. I the Chiefs, I think they showed that. What they have in these young men are just incredible. 
and they're going to have some big decisions to make. I think a lot of people are going to get some really good players when they make the cut down. That's absolutely true, Don. I, I appreciate everything you laid out there. I think you're, you're dead on with a whole bunch of it. Thanks for the call and, and hope to keep hearing from you as the season goes on. Cause look, I mean, all of us being excited about the preseason, we're the weirdos. I'm okay with that. I'm happy to, I'm happy to be here. Uh, for a little preseason action, because I nice have football back on the screen. I, I love the enthusiasm coming from the receivers and going, oh, yeah, these guys are out here with catching a, a little mustard on the ball from Oladukun. Uh, I've been calling him Oladukun for like a year now, and so I'm going to have to relearn how to pronounce that. But uh, being able to, to see those receivers rise to the occasion, or rice to the occasion. Hello. Uh, and, of course, yes, that... I, I will I will say this. I think in a pre in, in a regular season game, regardless of who the quarterback is, I think that is probably not the play call on third and what was it, third and eight, third and medium long. I'm guessing you keep the ball on the ground. If you can pick up your eight or nine yards and, and make the conversion, the game's over. And if you can't, you punt the ball away, you play some defense, and you get out of there. I think and this might be a little bit of a cop-out, but I think, by and large, this is my default on a lot of stuff. From Again, the kind of the in-game coaching questions. Preparation questions, totally different deal. But in-game coaching decisions, you want to put guys in, not in tough spots on purpose, not in difficult situations where you could just help them out, but you want to give guys the a, a real NFL-quality challenge and to say, hey, don't worry about the score right now. Don't worry that we're up by three. We really need to, to you know, either... I mean, and also, if it wouldn't have been picked off, they could still could have punted it away off an incompletion. But you you want to be here for uh, uh, attempts to convert on, on third and medium long to put a game away? Let's see how you do. And unfortunately for uh, Chris Oladukin, unfortunately what happened there was that he made a horrible mistake. The lineman, again, I believe was Godric, and, and Trent Green was kind of pointing out that maybe maybe the old lineman there needs to do a little something to kind of get those hands out of the way. However you slice it, it's a rough way to end. I understand being concerned about it. I promise you Patrick Mahomes does not make that mistake, and I don't think that's the play call in a game with any consequences whatsoever. But I don't begrudge anybody for that being kind of a souring of uh, of what you'd rather see for a game that, that could have been a lot more fun if it would have, or at least would have felt a little funner on the exit if you could have uh, gotten the, the victory to, to go along with it. Uh, guys, work with me here. Are we good to hear from Andy Reid? Are we all, oh, look, I just got like five thumbs up from uh, three different dudes, Kyle, Covell, and Reed, all helping with the production here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. And let's go ahead and do just that. Let's hear from Andy Reed what he had to say after the game, opening up with his injuries, uh, not his injuries, mercifully, but the injury report that he gave, and at least one of these sounded pretty grim, and uh, his opening statement and thoughts for the Chiefs' first preseason game of 2023. All right, as far as uh, injuries go, Nick Jones... Uh fractured a couple fingers there so um, we'll just see how he does and then uh, Witherspoon uh, hurt his toe a uh, big toe so we've got to see how that also goes when we get back um, listen all in all uh, it was good to get a game in uh, the ones we got to pick up the the tempo there both sides of the ball uh, not good enough um, so we've got some things to work on there it was good to get the young guys and I thought they actually played pretty good um, the twos and the threes, uh, some good things from really all the different positions, uh, being able to come back 
um, after being left uh, a deficit and bringing ourselves back in the game. Then you just can't finish. You know, you can't finish with a with a mistake. I mean, that's, that's a terrible way to end the thing. And so, uh, but listen, it looks like the Saints have a good football team. Uh, we've got to make sure we get our stuff taken care of. That time's yours. <laughs> And Andy Reid acknowledges you can't, you just don't want to end the game on a mistake like that. But I do think that when they uh, cut over to the sidelines and you saw, I think it was Mahomes and MVS with their hands on their faces, they later cut over to Andy Reid, who I, I believe just had something resembling a smile, which is, you know, not the expression he would have had if it was a regular season game. Just an unfortunate way to end for a lot of Coon, who, who was making some fun plays and a, a, a tough way to end it because it probably sours it for everybody, even the guys that had good performances out there. But man, it's hard to, uh, hard to be any more excited about Justin Ross and he lived up to the training camp hype. Here's Andy Reid talking about what Justin Ross did today, not only starting uh, his first uh, football game in quite a long time, but also finishing it healthy. Yeah, you know, before I comment, I want to take a look at the the tape. But I, you know, in general, I thought they uh, the guys did a, a decent job in there. I know he had he had the touchdown, and that was that was a good play that play. But I'm, I'm, as a whole, I've got to see all the work that he did. Yeah, no, that's the that's a good part of the story, and he came out healthy, right? So that's a that's a positive thing. He wants to look at the film. I get it. Here's the thing, Coach. Here's what I'd suggest. Choo-choo. All aboard. Who needs to see the film? We've seen it in camp. We saw it in the game a little bit. No, but really, it is just getting back to football for Justin Ross and, and doing it while being tackled by another team, going all the way to the ground. Both times I think I saw him go to the ground, it was a tiny bit awkward, and I was worrying about his, his. Well, I was going to say his ankles, knees, toes, it, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, everything involved. I just wanted to see Justin Ross play a game, get involved, look comfortable in the offense, and leave healthy. He did all of those things. Also here from Andy Reid, yeah, it was a slow start for the first team offense. Did you take anything away from that? Yeah, yeah. You know, some of the guys, we just... We were a little flat at the beginning. You can't do that, and uh, you know you got to you come to work. You got to come to work, ready to go. Andy Reid, they're not um, not making it sound too much like a lot of fun. But hey, you came to work today. Can you can you bring us can you bring us week three effort to to the first week of the preseason? And they started they started a little slow. They started a little flat. If there's anything to come of it, it's that they better not do that again next week because at that point, I bet Andy Reid gets annoying about it. I bet it's, hey, guys, I mean, I've given you two shots to come out here looking like you have any interest in playing these football games. If you have no interest in playing these football games, we can just find somebody else. I'm sure I'm sure Nico Remigio would love to take your reps, Sky Moore. I don't know that Sky Moore did anything wrong today. It was just, you know, the first name I could think of. And we're, and we're all about Ross, Rice, Richie, Remigio. Just uh, the WRRRRR group today. Uh, one of the things that went poorly for the Chiefs as that uh, first team offense started slow, they had an option, a chance to convert on fourth and short. Hey, I love that Andy Reid's letting his hair down a little bit, going for on fourth and short in the preseason. It just didn't work when Blake Bell tried to take the sort of surprise, fake miscommunication quarterback sneak. 
Yeah, after looking at it on the, the replay part, we probably should have gone to the left, not the right. And uh, they ended up pinching on that side, the, the left side, and I think we probably could have gone gone that direction. We're trying to get where we can do that, and um, you know, see, we you can't work on that during camp uh, live. I mean, uh, so you you get good work on it here, and, and uh, it didn't work. You know, so I mean, that's that was the bottom line. We got to go back to the drawing board on it. It didn't work. No, I didn't. It didn't. You're right. That's that's true. Uh, but you hear an example there again of what I think most people. I think most people listening get this. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna overemphasize, over communicate this point just for everybody's sanity. Why did the Chiefs run that play? It's a rhetorical question because you can't literally answer in real time. But think what 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 is your best answer to that question? Why did the Chiefs run that play? You've now heard Andy Reid talk about it, so I do think there is one correct answer. The Chiefs didn't run that play because they thought it was the best way possible they were going to pick up one yard. The Chiefs did not run that play because it was Andy Reid's best idea for how to get three more feet of field position so they could keep moving to go march down the field to go score a touchdown to hoist the Lombardi Trophy for a third time. The reason they ran that play in that spot is because you can't run that in camp. He just told you. You can't really run that in camp. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if that's all. If that's just about the physicality and, hey, you can't, you know, you're just going to go ahead and <laughs> smush 21. I think Mahomes was the only guy who might not have been involved in the pile. 21 dudes up against each other here, and then everyone's falling into a pile, and you land awkwardly. You don't want to land on Blake Bell's knee and put his kneecap on the side of his leg. We've all seen how this can go. I'm guessing that's the logic. Like you can't, you can't really run that play at full intensity in training camp against your own guys. There, there's not like a lot of power goal line working on that Philadelphia Eagles quarterback shove kind of sneak. You just can't really do that in St. Joe when you've got limitations on how much you can and just simply how much you want to hit and create pile ups. So that's why they ran it. With that in mind, the result doesn't really matter. I mean, it does. You want it to work. We'll go back to the drawing board. Reed said just watching the replay. Looks like Bell probably should have just taken that sneak the other way. The defense was ready for it. I kind of like that clip because I understand now in perfect clarity what the Chiefs did, what went wrong, why they did it anyway. That's that, that's a good thing to keep in mind as context for how all this goes. Um, but let's go ahead and throw away all of that couching and get back to the hype train because Richie James also had a really nice day. Here's what uh, Andy Reid had to say about the new number 17 in the Chiefs offense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I've got to look at the whole work, but um, he had a beautiful catch there, uh, a couple of them. And so that's a good job by him. Um, he, he's a good football player. I mean, we know that. So it's, uh, And he's got a good feel for things. It's starting to seem like Andy Reid's not going to give us the full scouting report just yet. He's got to go back and watch the tape. Fine, I'll do it too. We can talk about it tomorrow on The Zone. How about that? 10 o'clock, I'm, I'm going to have a full breakdown of every every step Richie James took. Actually, Jason will do that. I'll do Justin Ross's and, and Jason can do Richie James's. That actually will work out, I think. Uh, but you can talk, I think, about what it means for rookies to get their first live reps against another team. Uh, Andy Reid here asked about Felix Ndika Uzama and Rasheed Rice getting out there for their first live NFL action. Yeah, um, that you know that that's so valuable for them. 
there are two guys that uh, need that, the, the speed of this live, the whole deal. And then not just a handful of reps, but putting a number of series together there. And so I think that was good for both of them. And, again, I've got to evaluate it off of the, the tape that we look at. I mean, there are going to be some corrections. But I thought for the most part they held their own and, and did a decent job there. But I'll take a peek at that. I thought the same. Still not, a, you know, having a, the the full uh, coaches film just yet. But I I thought it was great not only to see them out there, but they both made impact positive plays. And if you're a, a high draft pick like those two guys playing against lower level, I don't want to say lower level talent because that's sort of judgy. But you know, I mean, if you're going up against guys lower down the depth chart on another team, think all right, these are the Saints third stringers who are fighting for roster spots. FAU and Rasheed Rice are not fighting for roster spots. They're just fighting for experience right now. You want to go out there and look like you're the better athlete in your matchup. You want to look like you're comfortable there and executing what you're meant to execute. And I really do think that, at least by and large, Felix and Rasheed Rice both both accomplished that today, which is a good start. Way more important to see them get a game under their belt when they are out there for at least parts of four quarters. And there's a lot more growth to go. But a good start for them when uh, all you can do is take a baby step, they took some successful baby steps today, and I think that should only be encouraging. Discouraging when uh, Andy Reid said again, Nick Jones suffering a, a couple of broken fingers, uh, fractured fingers was the word. That's, that means the same thing, right? Uh, but but he was asked about the severity there. Is, is Nick Jones is kind of a little bit of a, a sleeper to, uh, if not make this active roster, at least a practice squad candidate. So how severe is that injury? Uh, we know it is it's broken. Now some of those you can just cast up. Other ones you have to have surgery on. But we'll see we'll see where that goes. All right, so TBD exactly what's next for Nick Jones. And then last thing here from Andy Reid, talking about Shane Bouchelle's touchdown pass to Crawford. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing there may have been a question about any other quarterbacks that player reminded him of. Yeah, well, it was a good escape. Yeah, that escape was good. And then the throw was good and the catch was good. So all around, that was a pretty good play. Um, I'm glad he had a chance to get one in the end zone there. Me too. Good to see Shane Bichelle get a little bit of juice on a, a touchdown there. And uh, not exactly effusive praise across the board. Look, Andy Reid, last time he was at a post-game podium, it was after they had hoisted his second career Lombardi trophy uh, as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's he's seen a lot of football. I don't think Andy, Andy Reid doesn't get too high or too low after regular season wins and losses. I don't think he gets too high or too low after playoff wins and losses for the most part. Preseason week one, not going to be the thing that breaks that trend. But there you have it, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll come back with our uh, top signal caller. Yeah, that's right. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. We'll ring him up and uh, see what his takeaways were from the Chiefs falling short with a tough ending uh, in the uh, first game of the uh, preseason. But overall, a lot of positives to take away that were way more important than the final score. With apologies to Eric Bien and me, this is one time when we do care more about the numbers than we care about the alphabets. More post-game next. continuing to try and extend the play. Excellent job flushing to his right, stepping out of the sack, makes the throw, great completion. 
In the preseason, you've got to do a lot of adjusting for the situation. That's been the conversation so far here today. Don't worry too much about the final score, but hey, the process, that can be interesting. Don't worry too much if Patrick Mahomes looked a little rusty, but go ahead and take those quality snaps you saw from some of the other guys you've been looking forward to. And in my case, if you've been waiting an entire offseason to talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest in the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show, I mean... The preseason feels like as good a time to start as any. Matt, I appreciate you making some time here in the preseason for us because we're all still getting our reps in here, too, and I think we put some consistent behavior on tape. Oh, we, we all have to you know, get our reps in and everything because, you know, I, I mean, I, see, I can't even talk about that, John. And if I can't do that right now, how am I going to be able to do that on September 7th? I mean, you've got to get the reps in. September 7th, prime time. It's going to be a late-night game, NFL kickoff. We're, we're going to be having this conversation. Honestly, I'm now thinking about it, and I'm getting kind of sad. Uh, we're probably going to be having this conversation in the early hours of Friday morning in that case. Uh, so we've got to really make sure that, that we have, we have our, our, our system figured out. We can work out the kinks here. We can go ahead and stumble over our words. We can go ahead and give bad takes and bad answers if, if you feel the need. Um, I do that sometimes just for fun anyway. Uh, but what is reasonable to take away here, Matt? What, what did you see from the Chiefs today? And thought, Oh, you know what? That's interesting to me. That, that might affect how I'm viewing this player, this situation, this thing that maybe you've uh, already seen in your many, many days up in St. Joe. Well, you can't put a whole lot of stock in preseason games. Let's just get that caveat out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there's some things that reinforced what I think we saw in Saint, have seen in St. Joe, and there's probably a few things that makes us question a few of the things that we've seen in St. Joe. Um, you know, for instance, I, I did not feel like that the first-team offense has been as maybe rough as they look today mm. in St. Joe. I mean, you know, we've especially, you know, we've had a chance to talk to Andy Reid about his defense and Steve Spagnuolo and um, feeling like things were getting better, especially in the red zone and those tighter zones and everything. Uh, didn't see a lot of tight zones today, uh, mm-hmm. especially especially at the goal line. Um, it was a rough day. I don't think I, I'd be interested to see what Steve Spagnuolo has to say because obviously the one thing that he wanted to see was solid tackling, and not sure he has to go back to square one like was his worst case scenario. But I don't think it was spectacular. Um, the secondary has some some weaknesses. And, you know, you had the biggest questions about how would the pass rush look, and the pass rush, straight up, without Chris Jones, didn't look very good. Yeah. Um, now, conversely, on the other side of the football, the, the first-team offense didn't look great either, but I don't have a lot of concerns about that because it's Patrick Mahomes, and they're going to be fine, and, and for them it's just, you know, shaking off some of the rust and everything. Uh, so, But what I thought was really encouraging, though, and I think is reason for, you know, some excitement to this team and fans, is that a lot of young guys played well, especially on the second and third teams. There are, there are some guys there that are going to get reps this year that they're going to depend on in some, you know, some roles. And I thought those guys played well. I don't think there wasn't anybody in particular that I thought had a really bad game. And I think, let, let, let's pick somebody to put a spotlight on in a positive way first, maybe from a little bit further down the line, because I, we can circle back to kind of the first team concerns, especially as the, you know, the actual regular season games get closer. But those young wide receivers in particular, I mean, there were good moments, at least, if not good entire outings for Rasheed Rice, Justin Ross, Richie James. I, I don't know, again, Figuring out how much stock to put in everything is is up to you, I guess. But I, I was I was pretty happy with what we saw from the receiving core that isn't 
MVS and Sky Moore and Travis Kelsey and the guys that we expect to actually be the, the first needle movers with the ones. In particular, since uh, none of those guys got any targets for the yeah. most part. I mean, you know, maybe some of them got a few snaps here and there, but... Um, Clyde, really, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the only guy Patrick Mahomes threw to, right? Yeah, I mean, Clyde, Clyde got all the work early, and, you know, and I, I've, I've seen the speculation, hey, is that, you know, trying to, you know, the, the spotlight Clyde, and I honestly, I mean, I think that was more about probably spotlighting Clyde, but not for the reasons that a lot of people think. I think it's because he was back home in New Orleans, and they mm. just, you know, built it to they'd let him have his moment. I mean, that's the... the the Superdome's a big place for him, so I think that, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it past Andy Reid whatsoever to say, hey, you know what, we're going to just go quite heavy on the first drive, because um, that's, 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 that's his home. You know, I, I get some people thinking, hey, it's spotlight Clyde to try and increase his value, but everything that we've seen in St. Joe with how the Chiefs have been using Clyde, they have used him a ton, and the Chiefs don't give away reps to people yeah. that they're not counting on. Andy Reid doesn't do that. So I firmly believe that with the structure of that running back room, which is that you've got, you know, a, a Isaiah Pacheco who still hasn't taken contact yet because of injuries, surgeries in the off season. Um, you have God bless his heart, you love him, but ninety-eight year old Jerick McKinnon, <laughs> and you and you have Generic Prince who is a young guy, just got his first NFL taste today. Is you know it's uh, his. The Niall Davis comps came out strong today huh. for both good and bad. Yeah, but you know what? You're going to go through running backs, and, I, and the Chiefs know that. Andy Reid knows that. They trust Clyde, so that's why I don't think Clyde's going anywhere. And the fact that he was featured today, I think, a pretty pretty much more evidence of the same. I'm really glad that you just brought that up completely on your uh, on your own volition, even while ignoring the receivers that I do still want us to talk about very much. Because I found myself, and look, I usually uh, if a, if a Chiefs game comes down to the wire and the post-game show starts 30 seconds after it goes final. I'm usually figuring out some things on the fly, but I, I kind of know what the what the main things I, I'm looking forward to talking about are going to be. Today I had a couple things, and then just ended up in the first segment of this show, spending like the first five minutes on Clyde edwards Lair, and I think I said a whole bunch of that same exact stuff, uh, maybe just a, you know, a little less eloquently. But really, I I don't know why... Other than the reputation, and I, I had to like, I have to atone—not even atone. I was right. I have to acknowledge um, <laughs> what my what my stance was on that draft pick at the time, and on him as a player and the position group as a whole. But my whole running back base take is: give me a bunch of guys at lower costs that I can try to see who who overachieves and who's got different roles they can play, and all of those things. Right now, not only is Clyde the longest tenured running back in the Chiefs' backfield for, with the Chiefs, that is. But as you said, every one of those other guys has a really significant, I'm going to just put, say, like a, a, a restrictor plate on them right now. For yeah. Pacheco, it's coming back from injury. For McKinnon, it's being 98 years old and still being explosive for that. And Prince is a rookie who's still feeling out the Chiefs' offense. Why on earth would the Chiefs trade away one of the only guys that they could consider right now, as long as he's healthy, to, to be able to be on the field in pretty much any situation and not be lost? I thought it was interesting for him to tell the story about working as a receiver before the Super Bowl because, I mean, not because he was actually going to ever fulfill that prophecy of he's basically a wide receiver, but because Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy knew that he could play anywhere in this offense and not be out of position. Like, that's valuable. Yeah, and that brings up a really good point to me, which is that, and, and then I'll, I'll immediately change the subject from Clyde back to your receivers. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but a really good point, which is that the Chiefs' view of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the fan view of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might be more drastically different than for any other player on the roster. Mm. Um, you know, the the Chiefs don't have the same view. I mean, I, I get that a lot of fans, you know, feel like he's a bust, and you know, or, or something of that nature. Maybe it's different wording. Um, but they feel like he didn't live up to the potential as a first-round draft pick. And, and I, I get, you know, the Chiefs might even confidentially say the same, but at the same time, it's the guy that they like. You yeah. know, they don't hate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They like him. They think he is a valuable player um, when he's healthy. I mean, then that's, that's the thing is that they don't feel like that's Clyde's fault that he's missed time. I mean, he's just had some bad luck. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's probably one of the multiverses in which Clyde Edwards Hilaire has put up 1,600 yards in the last three seasons. And, yeah. you know, they picked up their 50, his fifth year option and he's going to be like MVP one day. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's not this multiverse. Right. I mean, this is maybe the one that's been rougher for him. But they like him. But, and, and so I can't change the subject back because this is the preseason and we're just going to be, we're just going to embrace this, Josh. Okay. Um, yeah, the receivers. I mean, if you want to keep seven receivers, they give you plenty of evidence today about why you should keep seven receivers. Yeah. Because everybody did what they wanted. And frankly, I mean, there's probably some Chiefs fans out there saying, why can't we keep eight? Yes. We got, we love Nico Remigio too. And it's not, it's not based on nothing. Like it's, it's not practical. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs just said, hey, Nico, we really appreciate what you've done here. Um, we are going to just put you under a cloak. We are going to throw a blanket over you the next few weeks, and we're going to try to get you on this practice squad. Because he like, he looks explosive. He's made some plays at camp that I've gone, okay, all right, this dude wearing a running back's number is actually looking the part. He did today, too. And and, and this can be kind of a, a tie into all of them. Or if you want to talk about Remigio in particular, your call, vibes-based postgame for a preseason game. But one thing that stood out to me is that all of those guys you mentioned from the bottom third or so, bottom half, really, of the wide receiver depth chart is that whatever their, their degree of competition was across from them, they always looked like they belonged in that spot, if not making the guy across from them look like, they, like maybe they didn't belong in that spot. They, they they fit and passed as NFL football players in their first action, either as an NFL player or at least their first action with the Chiefs. I'm encouraged by that. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only break that you would put on it is to say, okay, let's consider the level of difficulty of these performances. Um, you know, I, 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 I saw a lot of excitement over that first Justin Ross catch, and it was a really good catch. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but I've 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 seen him do that to a lot of third string cornerbacks in Kansas in St. Joe. Yeah, I have I seen him do it yet against you know Trent McDuffie. No, I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. So you know that's why it's, you know they pumped the bricks. Hey, Nico Romero, great job. Was he doing it against the Saints number one first team? No. That doesn't mean there's not potential there because, like you said, I mean the guy has looked electric. Uh, I've, I mean, I feel the same way about you know Richie James. I mean that yep. guy. I mean, I, I've been I, I have convinced myself that the reason why he just never really got a chance in in San Francisco was that he's a poor man's Debo Samuel. Hmm. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got a lot of lot of juice to him and everything. Um, but you know, it, it's hey, can you can what level can you do it at and and. I'll be interested to see. I mean, Ramiro's been getting a little bit more work, you know, but kind of moving up the depth chart a little bit. I'm still not convinced that he's going to be able to make a threat just because even if, in, if, if, if injuries force the Chiefs, you know, to not keep seven receivers, one of these guys went down, 
I'm still not sure they're saying to themselves, we need to keep seven to get Remigio on there. Yeah. But is he going to be on the practice squad? I think he's got a really good case of that. And, and there's, honestly, I mean, there's guys like Cornell Powell had yeah. some really great moments today. And that's a guy that, you know, has really kind of struggled to find his niche. But he and Shane Bouchelle have been around for a while. Looked like they had really good chemistry today. Um, and Kako Crawford, that catch, I mean, he yeah. did exactly what he's supposed to do on the Chiefs, which is never quit. And even if, if not Patrick Mahomes on the field, even Shane Bouchelle never quit. Bouchelle finds him. That was, that was a really heads-up play. Yeah, it, it really and it was fun at least. It ended poorly, but a lot of the a lot of the offense along the way was was enjoyable to watch. I'm going to go back chronologically to what was unfun in part because you mentioned that you know Justin Ross hasn't done that to Trent McDuffie. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been At Perry who did do that to Trent McDuffie. Uh, and, and overall, like it was it was just hard to watch Derek Carr just going eight yards, twelve yards, sixteen yards, seven yards uh, before Alvin Kamara even really needed to get involved. Chris Jones matters. That is not new. What can you and what shouldn't you take away from from the Chiefs' first team defense? Looking pretty much right, like they fell right underneath the wheels of the of the New Orleans Saints, right there. Well, I mean, I, if I want to put a positive spin on it, I will say this: um, you know, the Chiefs on both sides of the football weren't doing anything too fancy. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it was pretty vanilla game planning, both offensively and defensively. So Steve Spagnuolo wasn't showing anything that he's going to show in the regular season. You're also going up against the quarterback, knows his defense pretty well. And and, and Aaron Carr has had some – Aaron Carr. <laughs> Aaron Carr. Preseason, Josh. <laughs> just, 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 just getting the, the rust off. And that's all it's here for. And that's just getting in the reps. Uh, Derek Carr's had plenty of good moments against this defense. So him going out and having some fun, having some fun I mean – I'm not surprised. And then when you add in that, you know, the, the, the Saints are in a different position than the Chiefs are in, they're trying to build some confidence. So mm. they probably did do a little bit more game planning for this game than the Chiefs certainly did. The Chiefs did no game planning for this game so for the most part. So, you know, I, I mean, those are caveats for sure. And they're, and some, if you want to say caveats is a fancy word for excuses, I'll let you. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a legitimate point, you know, and that's why you know you, you can't overreact to the preseason because I, this was a unique situation. A different quarterback maybe comes out a little bit differently. I uh, I'm tempted to ask if any of this matters to Chris Jones or for Chris Jones in that negotiation, but I've I mean I've shown my hand. I've said five times already. I I don't think a a quarter or two drives of preseason football is going to move Brett Veach's offer by a million dollars per year. But I, I will, I will, unless you really, unless you do disagree with that, in which case I'd love to hear it. Um, I, I am interested in how you think it all shakes out now and just where we stand now, because I didn't think for a very long time, I, I didn't think that Chris Jones would have not set foot in in St. Joe or in Kansas City in an official capacity when the first preseason game came and went. And now here we are in postgame, and I the last time I saw Chris Jones was on Michael Bay's Instagram. So I am lost. <laughs> yeah, and let's just... Well, we're not, well, let's not talk about that, but let's just set aside that we're going to talk about that later. Okay, because, deal. Because Chris, Chris Jones' social media use over the last couple of weeks has left a lot of questions and no answers. <laughs> so, just leave it there. Fine. 
But you're right. No, this doesn't change anything. I mean, the Chiefs already knew what situation they were in, and Brett Veach isn't going to panic and all of a sudden say, you know, just put up his arms and say, okay, you can take my wallet, whatever you need, <laughs> because of a bad preseason game. Um, if anything, I mean, I would imagine that it just causes both sides to dig in more. So, you know, and we don't really know what the differences are. We don't know how far apart these two sides are. But I'm with you. I mean, in that I never saw it getting to this point. I mean, you know, was was getting to week one of the regular season a worst-case scenario? Sure. I mean, that was it. But if you ask me what the odds of that were, I would have said less than 1%, probably less mm-hmm. than a tenth of percent. I mean, my idea of things really going badly would be, you know, Chris Jones doesn't show up until August 15th. Yeah. Well, we're close to that. Yeah. And that, to me, is, is a big line. I mean, you get to Thursday of this week, and we're three weeks away from the season opener. And that's, that's significant, because I think that's about the bare minimum time that if you're Chris Jones, you need to be legitimately ready at 100% NFL football speed and shape to be ready for the season. And every day after that, it just becomes more alarming. Um, but so the fact that, that, that he's not there yet, uh, it's, it's a concern. I don't think there's any doubt it's a concern, and it should be. And I don't really get it because, you know, I don't feel like that either side has a ton of leverage here. I think both sides need a deal. Yeah. And the fact that it's not done yet, I, I, I'm working under the naive expectation that this is just simply Chris Jones willing to lose a few million dollars knowing that he doesn't have to go to St. Joe and he's going to be making $70 million guaranteed. That, that maybe that that's a fair deal for some people, but I I, I don't know if I, I would give up the money for that, and I don't know if I would do that if I were you know playing on a team like this that's trying to run it back, because that's, I I think this is the week where it finally does start crossing the line where you know people are going to be concerned about the impacting the run it back philosophy. It's it's really interesting to the the idea that. You don't think either side particularly has the leverage at this point or has any leverage at this point. It's just, it's a, it's a good way of couching that because I, I've spent that time kind of figuring out, like, like where, where is their leverage? Who, who has a chance to blink first? Who, who feels like they have an upper hand? And I, I don't think I have ever, uh, heard or said it quite that concisely, but I think I'm, I'm completely with you that I just, this just feels bad for everybody. Which makes it really hard for me to figure out who is so dug in, so unwilling to try to find something resembling a reasonable middle ground that it's just going to keep being bad for everyone involved. It, I, again, and I don't, I don't even know who to who to point this anger to, from player to agent to owner to GM to I, I don't know who who is the the last one with their heels dug in right now, but it just feels deeply unproductive. This. Uh, there, there was no hard deadline like there's for a franchise tag. You know, there, there's no this is the day it has to be. But man, it it just feels terrible, and it feels like no one's leaving this a winner. Well, if you if you want to blame somebody, let's blame Les Need, Aaron Donald, and the Los Angeles Rams. Deal. Because if the Rams don't pay a Aaron Donald, please don't retire tax yep. on that contract. Chris Jones is not in this situation. I mean, if Aaron Donald one retired. Or two signed a reasonable contract for even just say twenty seven million dollars a year, the Chris Jones deal would be easy. I mean, they probably would have been done at twenty six, and Chris would have been happy. Chiefs would have been happy, even if the Chiefs, even if the Chris Jones was like, "Nope, I need to be paid at least you know one dollar more than Aaron Donald." I mean, you know what? Twenty seven million, one dollar. 
wouldn't be a deal breaker. Yeah. But I understand for the Chiefs, you know, if, if that if the difference, and we don't know what the difference is. We truly don't. I mean, if it is that, you know, sincerely that Chris Jones wants to be paid as much as Aaron Donald, I don't know if he wants the exact same amount of guaranteed money. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there. We just don't have the answers to. But there's no doubt. I mean, if, if Aaron Donald wasn't making $31.7 million a year, Chiefs and Chris Jones would not be sideways. They would have yeah. gotten this deal done a long time ago. But And I get that a lot of people will tell you that Chris Jones has the leverage because the Chiefs need him. But, if, I mean, if the Chiefs don't give him a new contract and Chris Jones plays it out, you know, I mean, he's betting everything on the fact that, that a big contract's going to be there next year. Well, if he gets hurt or he doesn't have 15 and a half sacks this year and he's 30 years old and trying to get a deal, there's not going to be $70 million guarantee on the table next year. Yeah. That, I mean, this is literally, I mean, the, I mean the, there's a 1% chance that Chris Jones goes out and has a good enough year at, at this age to back up what he did to justify a team paying him that much money next year. This is probably the peak of his economic value on the market right now. And the only team that he can deal with is the Chiefs. So, to me, I mean, and the Chiefs need him. The Chief, Chris Jones needs the Chiefs. There's just absolutely no way around it. So I, I that's why I say, I mean, I just, I don't know who's going to blink first, but I don't think that either, I think, I think they both have equal leverage. Not that maybe the both sides don't have leverage, hmm. but I don't see one having the advantage over the other. Yeah, I think that's all right, and I think that's all really, really interesting because I agree that Chris Jones is at the peak of his value right now. As another year goes on, even if he has another great season, and the age, the NFL will not pay you fair value if they don't like how old you'll be when you still have guaranteed money on your contract. I mean, like Von Miller is a really big outlier, and and that has not worked out for Buffalo. Um, but I also think that the Chiefs know that this is the peak of Chris Jones's value. So I'd rather not pay you the peak of your value, man. Can we can we can we pay you a lot of your value? Uh, and maybe maybe that's the sticking point. Uh, Matt, tell us what we can expect on ChiefsDigest.com. I don't know if you've got something coming tonight, the rest of this week. What the vision is? Uh, we can all follow you on whatever social media you you know get your real time news on at Matt Derrick, uh, and then uh, on ChiefsDigest.com. What's going to be there? Uh, well, later in the week, you know, we will have a little bit of insight into one of my favorite players trying to make the roster, Matt Bushman. Yes, um, there will be there will be some lessons learned from tonight's game. We'll look at the snap counts a little bit. So, you know, to be breaking down what we what we learned today about the Chiefs, and then but Tuesday we're back at it. So, three more days in St. Joe, they'll be living the dream up there, Josh. Matt, I want you to enjoy those last three days, okay? These these golden days fly by. I don't want you looking back and thinking, man, I didn't appreciate those last three days in St. Joe enough back in 2023. You have to you have to value every snap and every rep, and that's, that's why right. we're here, Josh. <laughs> Matt, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, sir. Sounds great. Take care, everybody. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. You can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever, at Matt Derrick. Uh, and you can, of course, hear him uh, here on 810 WHB throughout the week. Of course, with us on The Zone on Fridays and uh, back with us for postgame breakdowns this year as well. I'm Joshua Briscoe. A little more Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show after this break. Gabbert wants to throw for it. Open receiver caught. Touchdown, Chiefs. It's Richie James getting the six. A Richie James touchdown. We got some Justin Ross moments. We saw Rasheed Rice taking the field in the red and gold for the first time. Overall, I think it was a pretty successful 
first game of the preseason for your 2023 Kansas City Chiefs. Hope it was also an enjoyable first preseason game for your crew here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm Joshua Briscoe with production from Kyle Covell and Reed. Uh, it's been a good, a good show, and I'm going to say, guys, I'm giving you the thumbs up. Are we down the depth chart? You know, I I don't know. I don't I don't make the I don't make the personnel decisions. Was the coaching job today by the one holdover of the postgame show? Me? Maybe questionable? Yeah, sure. I mean Matt Nagy called that play, presumably, that ended in a pick at the end of the game. Poe Buddy's nerfed. But you guys did good work back there today. Appreciate you for getting us across the finish line here in the preseason. Here's the thing. You get out of this game mostly healthy. You see the rust on the starters and the stars that you expect better from. I would take that trade off given the opportunity. I do think those are real reps for Clyde Edwards-Elair, not just, hey, please trade for me reps trying to get a compensatory pickback or a a, 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 late-round pick swap. Not the concern. You saw young receivers, young defenders, young edge rushers getting involved in this game plan and making good things happen. Felix Nyutike Uzama shows you why he was a first-round pick. Rasheed Rice shows you what makes him look a little bit different than the rest of the guys around him. Justin Ross shows you why the hype train's going at full speed. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. No, it didn't end in a very fun way. And no, we don't want to see Blaine Gabbert and Shane Bouchelle taking a lot of regular season snaps in 2023. But ultimately, friends, it is a very good thing to have NFL football, Kansas City Chiefs football, back on your screen. We'll talk to you at 10 o'clock in the zone tomorrow morning. Of course, the Border Patrol will have you for the four hours before that. On behalf of Kyle Covell and Reed, I'm Joshua Briscoe. This has been the Sports Radio 810 WHB Postgame Show. Bye, Mom.